Whether it's her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct has everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. me of the Katy Perry song, you know. What? I know a place. Oh. Where the, you know, because yeah. at the beginning of the song, they say, greetings, loved ones. Oh. Let's take a journey. It took me a second there to connect that. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> um, it is literally red in New York City right now. And it's so funny because Cindy and I were just talking about this. Um, so due to the Canada wildfires, if you're aloof, um, oh, yeah. Canada has a lot of wildfires going on right now, and that smog is drifting towards the East Coast, and especially the Upper East Coast. Right now, New York, as a state, has the worst air quality in the U.S., which is nuts, and good thing we live here. Um, and it's really crazy because we look out our window, and right now it's kind of more of like a yellowish green, which is crazy. Maybe, but- maybe where do you see green? <laughs> I see a green tint. I mean, everybody sees color differently, yeah. but it's... Also, baby, are you colorblind? And then, <laughs> but earlier, it was like a dark orange, like very weird. Um, I would say, what, around like 2 p.m.? Because right now it's 4. And yesterday was nuts because Sydney walks out of our building before we even knew about the wildfires, really. Sydney walks out of the building and goes, oh, my God, there's a fire on our block or something because I see four fire trucks outside of our house. And I'm freaking out. And then finally, we all do some research and we realize that the Canada wildfires was causing it. But, I mean, the color... Uh, dis- disorientation is freaking me out so bad right now. It's crazy. Because I literally get not an ounce of natural light in my room. Like, my room is literally, like, I don't even know how to describe it. It's it is a the black dark hole. hole. Would, yes. I can open both of my windows, and I still have no natural light. Like, I can't be in a room without a light on, which I like, because you guys know I like things that are dark. But um, it's so awkward. I woke up yesterday. I took a nap yesterday before after the gym before going to um, a firm event. I was like, oh, that's so weird. It's like orange outside, whatever. And I walk outside and I was like, um, why is it so foggy? It, it looks like sepia is what it looked like. Yeah, yeah the sepia, sepia filter. And part of me was like, what fire is so strong that like the entire street is covered in smoke? So I texted the roommate and I was like, oh, it's weird. It's smoky outside. And like we kept, I was driving like all the way downtown 
And the longer we drove, it wasn't getting better. And I was like, mm, this is really weird and spooky. So I looked <laughs> it up. Very like, I just looked up New York City Fire. And this was, like, before anything came out. So yeah. it was just, like, oh, there's a fire in the Bronx. I was like, well, is the entire Bronx on fire? Because <laughs> why am I 40 streets down and it's still smoky? And then finally, like, it, you're talking about Canada or whatever. Yeah. But the funny thing is I was on, like, the 80th floor of a building. So, like, I was above all the skyscrapers. And you couldn't see anything below. And it was really scary. And I was like, I was going to eat my cupcake in peace and back away from the window. It's freaking me out. Yeah. But yeah, it smells very barbecue and I'm not a fan. My nose was bleeding earlier and I was like, this is very apocalyptic and I don't like it. Also, you read that thing, right, where it said if you spend a equivalent of 24 hours outside, that's the equivalent of smoking six cigarettes. And I'm so dead because someone reposted and they were like, this is just a normal day for me. I was like, what? Wait, who said that? Someone posted on their story. When oh. It was like the screenshot of that news report. Really? And I was like, <laughs> okay. But it's so funny to me is because, like, I don't know how to explain this in a nice way, but, like, if you have a window anywhere near you or nostrils at all or you can step outside, it's very, very evident that it is orange to everyone. It is smoky to everyone, and everyone is aware that it is orange and smoky. My entire Instagram feed right now is, like, guys, it's really scary. Guys, it's orange. Guys, my asthma, guys, it's orange like, and my asthma. Or they're, like, it's just the caption, New York City right now. Like, spooky. It's orange outside. I'm actually about to delete Instagram because I've seen, I think, 78 stories. And I'm, like, baby, we're all in New York, and we can all see and smell it as well. Thank you for letting me know. Okay, some of the pictures are kind of cool because they're, like, people are, like, up in the air or whatever. But I'm, like, we get it. Unless your picture is, like, interesting or brings something new to the conversation, please stop. Unless you have a drone, we don't want to hear from you. And that is the consensus here. It's really nuts, though, because a couple of years ago, Cindy and I lived in the East Village. I think we lived on 2nd Avenue and 6th Street. And the church across the street from us had a really, really serious fire. Luckily, no one got hurt or anything. Oh, and also a little sidebar. We hope everyone in Canada is okay. We send out like our prayers and everything and our thoughts. Thoughts for me, prayers for Sydney. And we hope everyone's okay. <laughs> Sorry, that's really <laughs> I don't pray. Um, but we hope everyone's okay. Just wanted to sidebar. And um, going back to what I was saying is that a couple of years ago, our church across the street, not our church, a church across the street lit on fire. And Sydney and I saw it and it was just it created this huge dark cloud not similar to this because it didn't change the color of everything like right now everything's orangey red but before it was just really dark gray um and I kind of thought it was a similar situation because while the color is changed it is obviously there's a lot of smog and haze it's it's true for that as well so when I stepped outside yesterday before I really knew what was going on even I, I'm thinking there's also a fire because it's very similar. But then, you know, I kept going down the street, down like Broadway. And I was like, oh, nope, it's literally all of Manhattan. It was very it was spooky. And like, I love Canada. Like, if Narnia was a real place, I would consider Canada to be on my list of possibilities. Was that shot in Canada? What? Narnia? I don't know. I've never seen it. But it's like a Disneyland without the rides. Or, like, the characters. I don't know. I feel like Canada's so peaceful. Like, no one's ever, like, really, like, messing with Canada, you know? Yeah. Also, I think everyone there is really nice, right? That's Canada. Mm, I know some Canadians are a little bit But, you know, maybe that's, like, their overall gravitas. I think all their food kind of sucks, but they have really good syrup. Um, Justin Trudeau's really cute. He's problematic. But, you know, he's still fine. Um, yeah. Wasn't he the NYU graduation speaker a couple of years ago? Yeah, unfortunately, I was not in that one. I had Taylor Swift. And you guys know how I feel about her. But, you know, I'm rewatching Scandal, and, like, I feel like Justin Trudeau could have been my fits. I know. 
Shonda, Shonda Rhimes, what a woman. She's messing with my head right now because I just watched Queen Charlotte, of course. Um, and now I'm rewatching Scandal. And then I'm going to rewatch How Go With Murder. So I can just really get into my Shonda feels. And I'm just like, I don't know. What did you think about Queen Charlotte, the TV show? It's actually really funny. Um, I loved it. It was actually perfect. I am kind of annoyed it's only six episodes. And then by six, I mean three, because three of them were just the same episodes from a different point of view. Really? Yeah, which is a little bit annoying, but I'm going to forgive her for that one. <laughs> um, it was casted perfectly. It made me want to sob every three minutes. And it's so funny because, okay, it's not really funny at all, but it kind of is, is that every girl <laughs> is like, oh, I want a Farmer George. I want a Farmer George. But I don't think... Um, two things. One, they don't understand that Farmer George, King George, is the one that we got independence from in 1776. Um, and two, um, he was mad. As the Mad King is what they called him. I'm pretty sure he had some kind of things. And girls are like, I just want him. You know, like, I want a man that treats me like him. And I'm like, baby, it's fake. It's not real. Um, they're in like 1600 and it's not real. Um, cute and romantic, but it also is a fake show. Yeah. So I think just keep that in mind. <laughs> um, yeah, but I think it was very cute. And like Shonda knows how to like really grip and rip my heart. Grip and rip the old grip and rip. I feel like that ew. Sex yeah, ew. I don't like that. I don't like that very much. But you know. And so I would watch Queen Charlotte, but I didn't watch Bridgerton, so I feel like I'm oh, they have lost. like no relation. Oh, really? Well, like it's like the backstory to a single character, two sing- three characters in Bridgerton, but you could watch it completely separate and and still understand what's you going on. You didn't watch Bridgerton? No, isn't that crazy? Spooky woman. Why would you not watch it? I don't know. It's not really your kind of. It's weird because you like fantasy stuff. But I don't know if you'd like Bridgerton. I don't like period shows. That's one thing I will say. So, oh my god, are you are you crazy? <laughs> my favorite What's that one show that you love, Downton Abbey. No, Outlander. I do love Downton Abbey too. Yes, both of those. I can't. I mean, I love Outlander, but I couldn't get into Downton Abbey. See, Downton Abbey is the 1900 version of Succession. Nothing exciting happens. Nothing crazy happens. Nothing earth shattering happens. It's literally just people living their lives. So that's like, I, okay, I watched Succession, but I will actually and truly never understand people's obsession with it. Like, I watched the whole thing too. Like, I, you watched the final season? Yeah, and I was there for the ride and I thought it was so boring. I didn't watch the final season. Like, because nothing happens. I got happens. bored halfway through season two, so I stopped watching. It's, it's a corporate fight for six seasons. Like, actually, nothing else happens. So it's I'm like, six seasons? I think. I don't really know. That's but nothing, so like, long. super exciting. Like, Downton Abbey, it's like set during Titanic time. Well, it starts with the Titanic happening. It's the same thing, but it's kind of cuter because it's like, ah, 1900, you know? But I love period dramas. Like, I could watch period dramas just like just that for the rest of my life and be like, content. To me, the Titanic happened in 1960. That's just to me in my brain. Maybe, what? I don't know. Do you think cruise ships were invented? It's like 1901, I think, or like 1890-something. It's kind of crazy, though. We don't like boats. So. Yeah, oh, I hate boats. My Girl, you hate boats. You hate planes. How are you going to get... Oh, I'm okay with planes now. I can go on a plane. I can't go on a boat. Okay, before two months ago, Sarah was afraid <laughs> of boats, planes, and trains. So I don't know. <laughs> but then think about the role that you played in helping me conquering my fear. It was me what young. I heard to get her ass on the train right now because we're leaving. <laughs> we have to tell that story. When we were on the train from Paris to Nice and I started crying for actually no reason because I was so upset that I had to 
to exert physical labor. Please tell that story. No, it's actually a little bit crazy because <laughs> it's actually probably the best trip I've ever taken in my life. Oh, it was so fun. And what's so crazy about it is that we planned nothing. We did nothing. And it was still somehow like the best trip. Like everything that could have gone wrong short from us getting kidnapped did go wrong but it was still like the best trip ever like yeah oh my god it was so fun from literally leaving new york to arriving back in new york it was the worst movie you've ever seen <laughs> it was a train wreck but it was a really fun it was really fun train wreck. like i want to go back and like when i go back i want to do anything different like i still wouldn't plan i would just know where to go and also we came out of it with a lot of really fun oh, stories i forget them until like i tell them again yes but there's this one story in particular that Sydney's about to tell that I think is so funny. So I love Sarah to death. Um, <laughs> me and Sarah are so different in so many different aspects. Um, so Sarah's the only child. I am one of four. And I'm like the baby middle. So like the extra like do-it-yourself child, yes. you know? So um, I'm also a hardcore princess, Leo. Yeah, Sarah, Sarah, Sarah's a Leo princess. No, she is a Leo princess, only daughter of military dad. That's like... <laughs> every princess trope you could have in a single person. And I know I love her for it. However, <laughs> we are getting on the train from Nice to Paris. Oh, I thought it was from Paris to Nice when this happened now. Was it? It was probably both, to be honest. Yeah, it was probably both. Um, so Sarah had this weird thing. It's actually happened on multiple trips, multiple times, where like we will get to the train station an hour early and almost miss our train. <laughs> and we're just sitting there. Like, from Paris. So this happened once on our way from New York to... Um, the Hamptons. And let me just explain to you that we got there an hour early at like six o'clock in the morning. We're standing directly in front of the train and just goes right past <laughs> us. And so we had to wait like another hour to get another train. It's true. And yeah, that was sad. So then it happened again. Um, or almost happened. Where we somehow decided to go to, I think it was me actually, to go to the bathroom 46 seconds before the train departed. And like, mind you, we're in France. We don't speak, or my assignment's here. Um, we don't speak actually any French at all. Sarah claims she does, but that's still up in the air. No. Um, <laughs> all the French I can speak is, oh, bonjour. And that's about it. Yeah, it's, it's, it's yeah, it's Nothing. questionable. Um, so we're, so th- we didn't realize that there's not really like, there isn't assigned seating, but like, no one really like, follows it and when they open them doors you got one second to get your butt on that train before it leaves you so we don't know that so we have obviously these ginormous suitcases because we're staying there for literally 55 years and so sarah mind you of course our train cart's like the last one out of like 60 train carts so we're darting down trying to make it there i assume sarah got it because i'm running i assume she's behind me i turn around girls walking i'm like hey let's come on let's put our pep in our step finally no, this was on the way back. Oh, yes. Okay. But still, we had to go up, I'm not kidding, two stairs. <laughs> like, it was from the platform to the train, and then the train to, like, our level. And you'd, like, stick your bag in, like, a little cubby. Like, all the cubbies. They're kind of very trusting there, because you yeah. could just snatch someone's bag and left, and no one would have known. People do that all the time. Because, like, there's so many different stops you can get off on. Like, no one's, like, it's not like a plane where, like, your bag's on top of you. It's, like, all of it's in the front of your car. Yeah. So we had to put our bags there. Luckily, ours literally weighed the size of a body, so I don't think anyone would try and take them. If they tried, they'd give up in two seconds. <laughs> Literally. So I, this is on the way, so this is what happened on the way there. On the way back, our predicament was that we had a flight leaving out of Charles de Gaulle uh, Airport in Paris, and we were at Nice, which is the other side of the country. And um, after literally crying on the phone to the train station, because there were actually no, t- I don't know why we didn't buy our ticket before we got there. Um, there was literally one train going from Nice to Paris that day. 
and it would have gotten there like exactly three hours before our flight so like it was perfect if we could make it so um we after literally begging and crying and paying 800 million dollars for a train <laughs> ticket that should have been five euros it's true we actually paid so much so money much money it could have been five euros if we i don't know plans before we left um we know know what to do now kind of um so same thing happens with a run to our train get our bags on there and i'm in our seat and mind you sarah was directly behind me we were running to the train so i was kind of like oh, where is she she you this girl i'm sitting in our chair just like chilling sarah comes and she's literally sobbing sobbing out of breath sweating <laughs> like and i really don't like, my, like mind you there like were a rash <laughs> there were she was red as a tomato there were two stairs and she had a single bag <laughs> So I was like, are you okay? And you literally were like, don't talk to me right now. I was like, oh, okay. I hope she's okay. Finally, I actually stopped crying. Because mind you, it was a double whammy because we were also moving backwards on the train. Oh, yes. And I get really bad motion sickness. Yes. Which I still don't understand how you scared of trains, subways, (laughs) boats, airplanes. But we're sitting there. and She's like already sick from moving backwards. And I was like, what happened? And you were like, I had to lift my bag onto the thing and I hit my head. I was like, Sarah, Sarah, what? You literally, I'm not even kidding you. I rolled my bag into the thing. Like, I didn't lift anything. I went up exactly two stairs. And she's like, really, don't speak to me right now. I was like, okay. And on this same ride, um, mind you, again, we don't speak um, any French. There are no screens. And yes, no I hit one my in head our... so hard. It hurt so bad. And there's no one in our train cart, really. There's like four people and none of them speak English either. So our plan, which at the moment actually felt really smart, our plan was like, okay, we know the ride is like six or seven hours from Nice to Paris. We know our stop is Charles de Gaulle, the airport. So when everyone on this train who has luggage gets off, that's obviously the airport. <laughs> Which I think is a really I smart think that was a really plan. smart plan. Because as we were getting closer to Paris, like there were more and more people getting on yeah. the train with like big luggage because that's like the biggest airport in um, France, obviously. Yeah, and we were freaking out <clears throat> originally because we don't speak French, and the announcements were all in French. Oh, and were like there were no, so there were no screens. They were talking a million miles per minute. We couldn't even take out the Google app. Like Google couldn't keep up. No, Google can't keep. Up. And then so when you suggested let's get off when everybody else gets off with their luggage, I thought it was the it most brilliant that. idea. Brilliant. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, where else would everyone be going? Because like by the time we were like two hours from Paris, the 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 train was like packed. Like. And there was so much luggage. People were, like, having to hold their luggage in between their seats because there was no more space on, like, the whatevers. So, obviously, everyone's luggage gets off. Airport. A plus B equals C. So, everyone, like, starts running. So, first mistake is that everyone gets off the train at one point. We were, like, it's only been, like, an hour. There's no way this is Paris. And then, finally, this lady, like, talks to Sarah. And she was, because we had seats in different carts, I think, the first half of the ride. Yes, the first half of the ride. Yes. They're texting us like this lady says that this play, this train is broken. We have to run to this other train. I was like, ooh, child. So finally we get to. Which we would never would have known. Never would have known. If the woman didn't, you know, use her deductive reasoning to realize I'm English and I didn't understand. Yeah. Which we didn't talk the whole time. Everyone got off the train and we were just sitting there like. Okay. <laughs> and then, so that's the first stop. That was the first stop. And then we finally transferred trains and we're like pretty close to Paris, we think. Like it's been six and a half hours, whatever. Everyone grabs their bags and gets off. We were like, hey, we made it early. <laughs> like, this is crazy. Um, we step out of this train station and I see freaking Mickey Mouse. And I literally almost lose my shit. Because I was like, there's no way <laughs> we are in Disneyland Paris right now. I can't, ex- I looked at Sarah. Mind you, there was, we were one train ride. We were one train stop away from the airport. It was a six minute train ride. 
we open Uber. It's like a two, because it's a high-speed train. It's like a two-hour drive from where we are. Not to mention it was like $240. Sarah's giggling and smiling because Sarah loves Disney, you guys know. And she's like, oh my God, we're in and Disneyland. And it spit us out right in the park. So I was right like, let's just park. stay another day. And Sydney was like, I will actually murder no, you. I, I was like, you know, I hate Disney. I was like, get me out of here actually right now. So we Uber, we barely make it to the airport. We finally get there. Sarah has like 16 cans of dry shampoo in her carry-on. So we get stopped and it was a whole thing. But then I flirted with the guy and then... No, she's giggling, kiki-king. I'm like, girl, we're going to miss our flight. <laughs> Hurry up. So yeah, it was quite an adventure. And the if what you learned anything from that, one, buy your train ticket to um, learn how to lift a bag. Yes. Um, three, um, learn French if you go to France. <laughs> and that's all I have to say. Basic French words. Basic, Learn like, basic French I words. I thought beaucoup meant you're welcome this entire trip. Yeah, because you know how people say merci beaucoup as in like thank you very much. Sydney heard beaucoup come after merci and she thought it was a lot of pain. Deductive reasoning apparently is not very strong. I've never laughed so hard as when we got out of the Uber from the airport to Paris to, you know, like originally get there. And we got in the Uber, we got out to go to our Airbnb. And the driver goes, merci. And Cindy goes, buku. And I've never laughed so hard in my life. I also kept saying de nada. I don't really know. <laughs> we kept speaking in Spanish. We were speaking in French. It was hilarious. But Cindy and I have never felt so good about ourselves as we did when we said stuff like, oh, merci, or like, whatever, in our French little accent. And people thought we were French. So they kept talking to us in French. And we had to be like, oh. Like we had to explain. And it was so awkward because like Sarah and I are like we live in New York. And when you go out in New York, like you got every piece of skin showing all black looking like, you know. So we would like leave to go out. But like I guess it was summer, so the sun wouldn't set until like nine thirty. So we'd be out with like crop tops, itty bitty bikini tops. The stairs we would, I was like, we're going to get stoned in these streets. I'm scared. No, I didn't know how really, not conservative. I'm not talking about conservative as in political party. Obviously, I'm talking about just conservative in the way they dress and I guess like everyday culture. I didn't realize how conservatives Parisians are, right? I think, actually, it's really, really crazy to me because like in history, in culture, like people always like a equate the French with like sex and opulence and dirty and nasty because I guess they like historically are um but then you go there and everyone's so conservative like everyone dresses very classy everyone's very like if you're not French we don't like you yeah so that was interesting I also think it's like what part of Paris you're in because like there's also like a very like anti-immigrant um idea in France and in Europe in general really but I don't know. I have me a grain of One thing that I noticed, and I hope I'm not offending everybody, anybody, but this shouldn't really be that. <laughs> People don't have big tits in France. I, I, I know. And me and Sarah, we got the load. We got heavy load. <laughs> because, because you know how when you have bigger boobs for our, you know, larger breasted audience, larger. when you have bigger boobs, you could wear kind of like a regular tank top and it can look more provocative, even though you could be wearing the same top as someone with like A cups. It can look more provocative because you do have bigger boobs and therefore you might have some cleavage, et cetera. That was like, Sydney and I would walk out in a top and people would stare and give us weird looks. Yes, because we're obviously American, but also they would be very, their eye contact. Yeah, the biddies were. I mean, it worked when we went to restaurants. Yeah. Oh, the Frenchmen, they loved us. They, the Frenchmen loved us. In the, They're like, in oh my the God, Americans. We're like, he, yeah. <laughs> I have 
a deathly fear of bees. So whenever we'd be sitting at a cafe in the summer, I mean, if you frequent Paris in the summer, you know how bad the bees get. But Parisians don't give a fuck about bees. They're like- They would like hold them in their hand. I'm sorry. <laughs> what, are you Snow White? Absolutely not. No. Yeah. Um, this one guy- this one French guy who we met at this like one cafe day three, Cindy and I were screaming, freaking out about the bees and he let it land. He let it perch on his forefinger. He was like, Oh, it's your friend. We were like, what? You do not have a friend in me. Get that thing away from me. You guys know I've broken my foot running from bees. Like I don't, I don't mess with bees. That's the one thing I just, I don't do. We're not friends. No. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. So I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, my name is Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of On Purpose. I just had a great conversation with Michael B. Jordan, and you can listen to it right now. Michael is known for his performances in both film and television. His breakout role was in Fruitvale Station, playing Oscar Grant, which earned him widespread praise and numerous award nominations. His portrayal of Killmonger in Marvel's Black Panther, one of my favorites, further solidified his status as one of Hollywood's leading actors, earning him widespread acclaim for his complex and compelling performance. In our conversation, Michael really opens up. You're going to love listening to it, and I can't wait for you to check it out. The closest to getting what you want is always the hardest. It's always the feeling when you're getting ready to, you know, people give up right before they get what they've always wanted to get. People quit. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Um, today we're talking about things that we are, one, too old for, or two, did I already say two? Yes, things that we're too old for and things that we're too young for. One thing I was thinking about is 
I, people keep making those TikToks where it's like, once you graduate college, you have to like throw out all your like going out clothes, like going out tops, whatever. I go through phases where like, I don't know why, as a child, I loved dressing old. Not old as in like old, like as a college student, but like I literally would wear like Sperry's and Louis Pulitzer. Or like, I loved like dressing like, I wouldn't even say chic because I was like eight, but like, I loved me a loafer and <laughs> pants. <laughs> And I'm at the stage now where, like, and it's not even, I hate, this is actually, like, really bothering me. What? People are like, it's Sophia Richie style. No, it's not. No, it's not. She wore pants for her wedding. Like, it's okay, guys. Yes. Like, yeah, people do that, too. But um, <clears throat> I've always liked blazers. I've always liked, like, pants and, like, classy tops just because I think it's fun. And, like, obviously, I want to go into, like, a profession where I have to dress business formal most of the time. But at the same time, I do love, like, wearing stuff to go out and, like, being fun. So, like... I hate that there's, like, some kind of arbitrary number in your 20s where you have to stop dressing, like, you're in your 20s. Start dressing, like, you're, what, in your 40s? Or, like, and that even that dresses have an age. Like, why don't just wear what you want to wear? Also, what you're most comfortable in, because I know for me, as someone who works from home, my priority is comfort throughout the day. <clears throat> me in leather pants and a boob top right now. I'm dead. Um, another thing that I feel like is kind of a societal thing is you're too old for too many friends do you know what I mean I think there's kind of a lot of nuances to go with that I think yes you might be too old to have like a 40 person friend group but you're not too old for friends especially this is a a thing that I see a lot in married couples to be honest is like they um start to create their own family so they forget about like their parents and their friends and the people who have roots with them if that makes sense do you see that a lot because I feel like I see it on reality tv in real life and I'm kind of like well what happens if god forbid you get divorced or what happened what happens if you have a big traumatic life event and you need your friends but they're not there anymore because you spent all your weekends at home watching movies with your husband like it's it's that kind of dichotomy that bothers me a little bit and I get prioritizing family but when you completely neglect your friends in the process I don't think that's being mature I think that's being a bad friend I think that goes for not even just marriage, but like relationships in general. Yes. Like there is definitely, I can only speak for myself, like a point in my life with my like long-term relationship where I would neglect hanging out with my friends, hanging out with him. And I, now I'm thinking about it, like for what? They didn't want to hang out with me. Like, why would I do that? And I think that especially as women, we're not even, I don't even know if necessarily it's taught or like encouraged to put men first. And it's like, for literally every single man that you are with, probably besides maybe one person, you're not going to end up with them. So why are you sacrificing your education, your career, your hobbies, your friends, your family, yourself, your mental health for someone humans like will not end up with, you know? So I think that like being able to balance different areas of your life does come with age. I think that when you're young, it's easy to, like, kind of put that in the back of your mind because, like, all you do is go to school and hang out with your friends. Like, that's literally, you have no other responsibilities. But I think once you kind of graduate college or you're, like, in a space where you are on your own, you're having to balance, like, all these things in your life, learning how to prioritize, one, two, balance, and three, reconfigure when, it, like, things happen in your life is so important. I think I'm at an age now where I am too young to start neglecting certain things in my life for others without being able to, like, have a clear priority list, you know? Exactly. And if you think about it, to your point, 60% of marriages roughly end up in divorce. Think about how much that number increases when you're just dating somebody, right? So it's like, if you put all of your effort and time into who you're dating or all of your effort, it's not healthy to do that for anything, relationships or otherwise. If you put all of your energy into school, all of your energy into work, 
all of your energy into your family, you're neglecting other parts of your life that are equally as important. Um, oh, same with work. It's, it's very, yeah, I would say balance is definitely, you, you still prioritize. I mean, like if you have, and it's also kind of a give and take situation. If you have a newborn, that has to be priority. Obviously, you probably aren't going to hang out with your friends and go partying for the next couple of weeks. Do you know what I mean? But I think that as your life progresses, you do have to definitely reprioritize, but also know how to not cut people out and also recognize when you're doing it. One thing that I also, speaking of my boyfriend, one thing that I had a conversation about with him recently was the difference between, was the difference between argumenting. Oh my God, arguing? You know... (laughs) I'm gonna let you take that. Please put that in there. That is so funny. The difference between arguing and fighting. I think when you get older, you grow out of fighting. You grow out of like losing control of your temper. And sometimes, yeah, you can't help but lose control of your temper because you know you're human, you get angry, etc. But with like loved ones, friends, family, I think that it's important to approach a situation. We talk about this all the time on the podcast to resolve, not to win, because that is one of the core. I think branches of fighting like that's what makes a fight a fight is you're fighting to win but you're arguing or having a discussion or disagreement to resolve um I think those are two very different things and as you grow older you start to recognize which one's toxic and which one's not and which one to engage in more when you have a problem with somebody and I on your point of arguing versus fighting I can't put into words I can't explicate or explain enough then when couples are like, we never argue, that is not one something to brag about or for a B to be something to be jealous of because argument is natural. Yes. Disagreement is natural. If you are with someone in a relationship and you do not disagree on a single thing, I'm sorry, one of you is lying. Or two. I was just about to say that. I'm sorry if that's pessimistic, but it's true. Like it's one of it's just reality. Lying, yeah. Or two, if you guys are like, oh, we just never argue about anything. I don't, don't think that's natural. Like, I think part of growing in a relationship part of growing into yourself but also growing with someone is that realizing that debate can be healthy and creating healthy debates only help you grow as a person and as a couple because in reality if you're dating someone or you're marrying them and you're together for 50 years I'm you are going to argue about something you know like it's going to come up naturally and if you spent the entirety of your early days early years of your relationship not arguing about a single thing you don't ever have disagreement until you're 20 years in you don't know how to handle conflict with your partner or how your partner situates themselves in conflict it's going to end up worse you know and i think argument and debate is also really important for boundary setting too and for um oh it's also really good for setting boundaries to debate and arguing over fighting i think it's really important um if you have something you want to convey about something or about feeling a certain way that your partner is making you feel um, having confrontation or a debate is never fun, but it can be very integral to a healthy, growing relationship, to your point. Also, I oh, sorry, I was no. going to say, I agree, especially because, for example, like, I think that debate is healthy, or even arguments or difference in opinion, not even just in relationships with your friends as well, yeah. because how else are you going to challenge or grow in your own beliefs, understandings? realizations unless someone challenges them so i think like as a couple if you guys believe i mean obviously i prefer to be with someone who has like very similar outlooks on the world that i do outlooks on politics outlooks on values beliefs whatever but like 
my beliefs when I was 10 versus my beliefs at 23 are very, very different, you know? And I think that wouldn't have happened unless I met people who did challenge them. But also I think that conflict and arguing, argumentation, argue, whatever you say. Argumentation is what I said. Uh, I think that is a word. Really? I don't know. <laughs> arguing is also a way to see how someone respects you, if they respect you. And I think a lot of that does come out during fights or during arguments too because i've been in situations where like there is someone who i am like intellectually compatible with like we love talking and debating about different intellectual things but if someone's gonna call me stupid talk down on me talk over me oh then best believe it's gonna be a fight (laughs) yes make me feel like i'm inept or i'm lesser than and i might not see that in normal day-to-day conversation but it's in those moments of arguing of debating of fighting is when that really comes out I know that deep down on that cellular level, that person does not respect me. Yeah. And I wouldn't have known that unless I had those moments to see that, you know? So I do think it is important. Exactly. Once the mask comes off, you get to see who that person really is. I remember I had an um, argument, I will say, and we were talking about just like something that she did to me. So she had this habit of constantly interrupting me. And one time she did it to a very, very rude extent at the point where I thought she was doing it on purpose. So I didn't you know say anything I just kind of started acting cold not on purpose just because I was like angry that's what people do and then she approached me and she was like are you mad at me I said no I'm not mad but there is something I guess that I wanted to talk to you about that I didn't necessarily realize was coming off so cold and it's blah 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 blah. and I just said it very state of the you know said it matter of factly and she came back at me with something really really rude and it was a very low blow. And she was like, well, you take forever to finish your sentences anyway. So maybe if you'd whatever, something rude. And I said, I'm just expressing a problem that I have with you. It does not have to be a fight. Like, I'm not, I don't hate you. We don't have to ghost each other. We don't have to give each other the silent treatment. We don't have to act like kindergartners. We can literally just have an adult conversation. So just because I have a problem with you doesn't necessarily mean that you have to have a problem with me. Because that's what a lot of people, you know, more than a lot of people, I feel like that's a lot of people's go to when they're getting defensive, they look for things that they can blame you for. Um, And that, yeah, that's a very, another one. uh, That's another like toxic quality of a fight, I feel like. And then I told her, I was like, you know, there's no need for the rudeness because you're like, I'm not bringing this up to you to make you feel bad, lesser than, unworthy, whatever. I'm just telling you this so that we can grow from it and that you don't do it again because it hurts my feelings you know I feel like that is one thing that I am too old for it's like if you cannot hold the mirror to yourself and realize that okay it comes out like this when people do something that intentionally hurts you or does something disrespectful usually men sometimes friends as well and then they're like well I'm sorry if that hurt you or I hate when people don't know how to apologize or even worse they're like I can't control how you feel do you have the compassion, empathy of a rock? Are you a pebble? Because it doesn't matter what the intention of your words are or the intention of your actions. Intention and impact are very different things, you know? And it's like, you might not have control over my feelings, but you do have control over the way that you treat me, the way that you disrespect me, etc. And that has happened so many times, not only with like friends that I no longer like am close with, or even just exes, but I think that for so long, I would be like, oh, you're right. Like, I can only control how I react to things. And while that is true, I can also control if I'm friends with you anymore, if you're still in my life. Because if you're that willing to disrespect me, 
and then blame me for being upset about it, then I don't want to be friends with you. I don't want to be in your life and vice versa. Also, I hate that because it's kind of neglecting the fact where you can also control whether or not you bring something up with the person. I mean, you can't expect your friends to be mind readers, but when your friends come to you and they say, hey, you've been doing something that's really bothering me, and you get a very negative, rude, disrespectful response, you're only bringing it up because, you know, if you have good intentions, you want to grow and you still want to be friends with them. So it's like, if I didn't want to be friends with you anymore, I wouldn't have brought this up. I would have just iced you out. But I do want to be friends. And that's why I'm bringing it up so we can grow. And I feel like if the other person is not mature enough to realize that, that also is a very big issue. And to your first point, when people do not know how to apologize, I'm going to give everybody a lesson right now. This apologizing 101. This is an I'm sorry 101. If you didn't already know, which I'm sure that you do, apologizing goes a little something like this. I'm sorry, period, not for how you feel, not for, oh, you're, you know, sorry for your response. Sorry, you took it like that. You're not sorry for how the other person feels because then you're not actually sorry. You're sorry for me doing blank, 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 blank. So you have to say you're sorry. I have to say what you're sorry for. You can't be sorry that someone took something you said the wrong way. That's not, that's not what apologizing is. If you're apologizing for something that you did, you have to say that you're sorry for the thing that you did. That hurt them. You know what I mean? Because even though if they did that same thing and it, maybe it wouldn't have hurt you, maybe you would, you're not the same person. That's what makes human life so beautiful. And that's what makes friendship so beautiful. And if you are not mature, my, like, I love my mom. This woman does not know how to apologize. I will always bring stuff up to her. And this woman is what? She's like 51. And I love, I love you, mom. I know you're listening. I love you. You're the best. But <laughs> people need to work on their apologizing. It irritates me so much when grown adults, especially, do not know how to say I'm sorry or take accountability or responsibility whatsoever. The worst for me, there's two things worse than that. The only thing, and this usually only happens in relationships, but the only two things worse for me than I'm sorry that you feel that way is one, when they start getting sarcastic. I'm sorry that I'm the worst and that I can't do anything right. Or I'm the worst mom ever. I'm sorry that you have such an awful mother. I'm like, are you, to your, my little brother apologizes like that. And he's literally four years old. Actually, he's better than that at this point. He was like three when he would do that. But only thing worse than that in my head is when they don't say anything at all. Like, for example, I just started dating again and I'm seeing this guy and we went on like three dates in 72 hours, which is like, you know, a lot for me. I don't see someone that much. Um, but I liked him. We had a good time hanging out, but we never went on like a proper date. And then right after our three dates, I went to California to see my family for a week and a half for Memorial Day. Then I came back and we FaceTimed like every day while I was away, loved getting to know him, excited. And I said on our last day of FaceTiming, I was like, for me, like a non-negotiable is like, I do want to go on dates. I want to get to know you in a setting that's not like super casual or relaxed. Um, but my issue was, is that he was like, oh, I'll plan a date, like blah, blah, blah. And I was excited because it wasn't even like I needed to be taken out on a date. It's just that I don't want to get into a groove where a guy is with me and is comfortable or thinks it's normal for us to just hang out in my bedroom every time he sees me or text me at 10 p.m. Not that kind of girl. Not I've never been. Yeah, I have. I'm, I'm not going to be. Like, if you plan on being with me in any sense long term, even if it is casual, well, I still wouldn't be able to hang out without being texted at 10 p.m. Are you up? Like, that's just not what I'm doing. Exactly. Very, I mean, very clear on that. Your girlfriend material. You're not a booty call. Yeah. yeah. Even like if we're not boyfriend, girlfriend, like at the least we can meet for a drink, meet for lunch something i'm not that kind of girl i that's one of my very very clear boundaries that i'm not going to cross or change for any man i don't care what they look like what they do whatever and so and even if you're not a girlfriend your girlfriend material that's everybody better learn (laughs) 
the fabric is there. Yes. Um, so the fact that he didn't make effort to plan anything, and then like I planned something, two things actually, and he canceled on both and was like, just come over after. No. And I said that and I haven't talked to him since. And like the younger me would have been like, oh, like it's fine. Like we'll figure that out. But like, no, I, even though I'm only 22 or 23, whatever, um, I think that's one thing that I'm really working on is being very, very clear in my boundaries and what I expect and my expectations and sticking to them. If you don't meet that, then bye. Like, I will find someone who is. I'm not worried about that. There are 8 billion people on this earth. I will find one. <laughs> Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. So I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, my name is Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of On Purpose. I just had a great conversation with Michael B. Jordan, and you can listen to it right now. Michael is known for his performances in both film and television. His breakout role was in Fruitvale Station, playing Oscar Grant, which earned him widespread praise and numerous award nominations. His portrayal of Killmonger in Marvel's Black Panther, one of my favorites, further solidified his status as one of Hollywood's leading actors, earning him widespread acclaim for his complex and compelling performance. In our conversation, Michael really opens up. You're going to love listening to it, and I can't wait for you to check it out. The closest to getting what you want is always the hardest. It's always the feeling when you're getting ready to, you know, people give up right before they get what they've always wanted to get. People quit. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. I think that one thing Sydney and I have had to learn, and we went to dinner last night, we were talking about this. We went to Thursday Kitchen, if anyone was curious. Um, we were chatting about how obviously it's like a scientifically proven fact that women are more mature than men, just like in general on average. Uh, and 
we were saying that going beyond that due to how he grew up and where we had to go to college. I mean, like, I know for us, moving from a suburban town to jumping headfirst into the adult life in the city forces you to grow up really quickly. And that happened to Sydney and I. And I just think that we are, it, our maturity goes beyond what is scientific. I think we are very mature for our age. And I think it's okay to know what we want, you know? So even though we are young on paper, we're both only 22 right now, it's okay to be like, I don't want to see you at 3 a.m. and that's it. You know, I feel like for us, that feels very immature. And I think we deserve respect for knowing what we want and also respect because we're women and should be treated as such. And that's one thing that Sarah and I are talking about, too, is that I I tend to date older. And that's for many reasons. One, because um, I don't know if it's because I don't know if it's because I'm from Florida but like this, the men that I grew up with had like the emotional and mental capacity of a kidney bean, a kidney bean, kidney bean. And like, I'm at a place I've always been extremely mature and extremely independent. So like when it comes to what I expect in a relationship, it is to be mature. It is to understand like your emotions. It's to not act like a child. So I've just found that scientifically men mature slower than women just because biological evolutionary, whatever. And I just found that in this generation, I don't know if it's the video games or, <laughs> or these vape sticks or something, that discrepancy is becoming a lot larger. The vape sticks. So these kids are vaping at like 12. That's why. And so I've always dated older. Like my long-term ex was five years older than me. So I tend to date men who are, I don't like, not like sugar daddy age, but like I'm in my early 20s, mid 20s. I date guys in their mid 20s or late 20s. Um, and it's so crazy to me because I've always assumed that they're going to be more mature because I was like, oh, they're older. Like, obviously, no. Nope. 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 So imagine dating a guy your own age. <laughs> womp womp. With the paycheck. That's literally it. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, it's just a lot of trial and error at this point. I mean, not really. I told you guys, no, I had like my whole like celibacy focus on me era for like six months. I've gone on dates with two people. And even then, I'm kind of like, I mean, they're great dates. Both guys are great. Um, it's just a matter of like being steadfast in what I want and not wavering from that for any man. Also, going back to being mature, it's just funny because, and I'm going to sound like a grandma saying this. A grandma. A grandma. What I've seen recently is that a lot of kids, I would say from ages 10 to maybe 13, are growing up really quickly. And I was absolutely, maybe other people in my age range were like that younger and maybe I just didn't grow up in that environment. So tell me if I'm wrong. But when I was 12, oh my God, when I was 12, I was eating goldfish, watching Disney movies, literally having braces and moon rim glasses. Uh, li- like I looked like Dumbledore, but just younger. I don't understand. And now these, um, I think TikTok has a lot to do with it because I see, you know, I'm just getting a lot of exposure on that app. I see all these 12 year old girls in like booty shorts and I'm, it's so jarring. I, like, and I respect it. I know it makes me sound so old saying that, but it's true. It's very frightening. <laughs> and when I was 12, I was wearing the Justice, um, Justice. sweater shirt connector. Yeah. I thought I was the baddest bee on the block with my Sperry's. My thing though, isn't necessarily that like, oh, like girls are growing up too fast. It's just like when I... Or at least we, I think we were the last generation where, like, we were allowed to be kids. Like, yes. I was allowed to wear, like, shorts that go past my knees that were plaid with a sweater shirt. And I thought I was the baddest bee on the block. Yeah. So, like, I was allowed to, like, be that weird kid with the unibrow and, like, 
we used to we were so weird so weird and we had like the cool like Disney movies and like I don't know we were the last generation before like we didn't get phones until what like seventh grade eighth grade like yes. when the first iPhone came out so we were like we still had technology as kids but like we didn't grow up with an iPad in front of our face like yeah. we still got to go outside and run and things like that and I just feel like if I was a kid now the pressure to look like, I don't know, Alex Earl, all these TikTok girls when I'm 13 years old. Yeah, TikTok has a lot to do with it. Yeah. But also, I, I didn't even scared. get to, because uh, the whole reason I brought that up is because you started talking about, uh, like, little boys with their vape sticks and video games. And it's true for little boys, too. Boys yeah. in that age range, they're playing, like, Call of Duty and, like, uh, what's it, GTA. And they're starting to vape and drink, especially, I feel like, young boys yeah. are starting to mature really quickly that way, too. So... It's weird, the dichotomy. It freaks me out a little bit. Like, do you know how many kids in my high school were drinking four locos in middle school? That is liquid gasoline. Like, Ugh. it was literally banned in America, I'm pretty sure, or, like, certain states for a very long time. And that's, like, kind of going back to the topic, it's, like, when I was in high school, I was very much, like, I don't want to drink or do anything like that because I was a goody two-shoes. But it's so weird because going to school in New York, I feel like they just throw everything at you so quickly, and, like, it becomes a lifestyle, especially, like, at NYU. To the point where, like, I'm 22, 23 now, and I feel like I'm too old to, like, be going out every night. Or I'm too old to be, like, drinking, like, I don't know, like, more than two drinks a day just because I feel like I pick up for work or school in the morning and I'm, I get tired. <laughs> I want to nap, you know? And it's, like, crazy because I'm, I was 21 last year. Like, why is this, why do I feel like I've progressed to where I'm too old to be doing stuff like that? So, I don't know. It's so, I have to, like, remind myself that I still am young, like, I don't know if it's just because of where we are in our life. I feel like I'm old, but I know that I'm not. And, like, I think that old is relative. Old is, like, a mindset. Like, my mom's in her 50s. She's the baddest bee on the block. Like, she's young, doing her thing. Love that for her. Same with my stepmom. It's, like, I don't think that, like, oh, once I hit 40, I'm old. Or once I hit 30, I'm old. I think it's more so, like, young can kind of be a mindset. She's realizing that, like, it might seem like, oh my god, like I'm tw- I'm almost 25, quarter life crisis, whatever. But like, I'm also like only 25, you know. So it's like things like that. I'm trying to keep in mind. Yeah, absolutely. I try to stay young in all the ways that I can. I feel like it's more obvious for me as a Disney adult in ways that I try and stay young. But also, um, yeah, like hanging out with friends and going outside and having picnics in the park and even like going clubbing and going to bars on the weekends and stuff. We are only 22, and I feel like that stuff kind of keeps me young. Everything in moderation, of course. Uh, which I feel like always has to be said because it does. Um, but it's true. Like, I mean, we are only 22, which is crazy because sometimes it feels like I'm 32. No, literally. With like our jobs. I mean, Sydney and I are both very ambitious, intelligent people and we have so much that we're doing all at once. And it makes me feel like I'm literally a wife with kids. I feel older than I actually am by I think at least eight years sometimes. So it's really important to remind yourself to just unwind once in a while and remember how young you actually are. And like my friends and I were talking about like Botox, like, oh my gosh, we have to start soon. Uh, no, we don't. Yeah. At least I don't. I don't know about them. They're doing preventative Botox now. Like, what are you preventing? Are aging? Yes. Like, that's natural. That's I normal. Know. But luckily, um, being black and Asian is beautiful because black don't crack and Asian don't reason. So I feel like I got a few more years <laughs> on everybody don't else. reason. So I feel like I'm just going to hold on to that. Like, my mom doesn't have any work done and she's still, her face still looks pretty good. So She I'm, looks at least 15 years younger than her actual that's age. That's why I'm like, I'm going to, I'm going to bet on that. And hope that that's what comes through. And if not, then Botox will always be there, you know. Just like, don't get stress lines from working too hard at your big old lawyer job. Like, I have friends that get Botox. I went on a date. I, went, I saw this guy, like, on and off for a while mm-hmm. that got Botox. And he's 24. And I was like, sweet, what are you fighting? You're fighting an invisible war. Because <laughs> you're literally 24. War. You're fighting a war that has not even started. Literally. That's so funny. And also, 
I mean, I know I can say this because I haven't gotten Botox or any work done. I really think that like aging specifically is a great thing. And also I feel like Botox, if you do it the wrong way, it can really age you also. Like, you know what I'm saying? When you get Botox done the wrong way, I'm a huge supporter of plastic surgery and Botox. I love seeing women feel more confident in their bodies and adjusting things to enhance their natural beauty. Love that. But there are some women who either one overdo it or get Botox in the wrong places or go to a bad doctor where it ages. It has the opposite effect. It ages you by like 10 years. Whereas before you looked your age and now you look older almost, you know? Exactly. And I feel like that's kind of the same thing. Like when people say like, you need to dress your age. Like I think that works both ways. Like people, like we said earlier, tell kids that like they're too young to be dressing a certain way. And then we hit 25 and it's like, oh, you're too young or you're too old to be wearing shorts and things like that who who gave clothes ages like let people dress how they want to dress like it's hot outside i'm gonna wear shorts literally i'm gonna have my knees out like it's not gonna make anyone pass out i think it's so weird how like clothes has been used for so long just to control women like Mm -hmm. even in middle school we couldn't wear tank tops because my collarbones might distract a little boy maybe maybe let's not teach little boys to be attracted to collarbones Mm -hmm. that's weird or, like, not being able to have my skirt above my knees at school. Yeah, I wasn't allowed either. And then going from that to, like, NYU, where people wore God knows what to class. And then going to law school, and it's like, I dress like I'm 22. I'll wear a crop top and pants. And people are like, you're in a professional setting. I'm at school. It is 105 degrees out. Literally, I'm, I'm going to be want. wearing what I want to wear. Like, yeah. I'm not in a courtroom. I'm not talking to a lawyer. I'm in a classroom. I'm dressed where I feel comfortable. Like, you all might be 35. I'm young. I'm young and cute. I'm going to be wearing my crop top. Like, it will be okay. But I think just because, like, my school, it's, like, our year, it's either half 22, 23, half 28 to 35. So it's, like, a very big divide of, like, who wears suits to classes and who wears sweatpants and crop tops. So I'm, like, just let people be comfortable in what they're wearing. Like, if it makes you feel good about yourself, then do what you want to do. What about pieces of fabric that you have on your body determines whether or not you're going to be a good student or professional? What about, literally, they're pieces of fabric. It is okay. You will go to sleep at night, I promise. Also, I think it's so funny when men comment on skimpy bikinis because they off. don't wear a shirt i just i will never speedo. not snort like, in a man's face you're in a banana hammock literally pack it up i will never not think it's funny when men comment on like my skimpy bikinis it is hot and you are not wearing a shirt yes. let also, me do I'm my i'm not life. doing this for you yeah you're an accessory you're kid yes. you're just kin. <laughs> your sole purpose in life is to live to, i would love a ken <laughs> should i get a personal assistant named ken period i think so That'd be hilarious. He could open all my jars for me and stuff and reach high things. He has to be requirements. You have to be six, five and you have to have frosted tips. That's it. (laughs) I love Ken and Barbie in the dream house. That was like a feminist piece. We talk about it every Every episode. (laughs) It's true. It's true though. All right, you guys, I think that is the time we have for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. As always, you can follow us on social media at Crying in Public Podcast on TikTok and Instagram. And you can listen to Crying in Public on iHeart, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. We love you. Goodbye. Goodbye. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. 
Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleha Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.